everybody, and welcome to the Civ Show podcast. I'm your host, Moisas. I'm Nystagmus. There we go. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you say you're tired too. I was tired as well, man. It's been a whole week, huh? This is going great. Yeah. This is already off to such a good start. This is going to be a really good evening. I'm used. I'm used to Zoe going after, going before me. That's why he's never here the first part, and he's not here. You know that. Come on. I know, but I mean, for even during the like the the the, the uh, stream when we play, I'm always used to him going first. <laughs> Sorry about All right, that. Let's let's let's, uh, let's start over. Let's start. Hi, welcome to the Civ Show. I'm your host, Moisos. Hey, I'm the Stagmus. <laughs> there we go. And today we have a very special guest with us. Today we have Connor, aka VectorCat, the founder of the Civ Six Challenge League on Reddit. VectorCat, welcome, welcome. The pleasure uh, having you here, man. Pleasure is all mine. I appreciate it, bud. Thanks. Yeah, you were also featured on our. Uh, show on Sunday and you played Georgia so why don't we get a little into that uh, how did that feel how did how did you how did it feel to be um, kind of like the, the first experiment of the Civ show where we had two guests you and copper cutters how did, how did that feel yeah it felt good I had a good time I thought it was a neat surprise that by the luck of are in Jesus. It was me and copper cutters that were both selected because there was this accidental added element of the Civcast slash Civ Six Challenge League group versus the Civ Show. You know, right? Because copper cutters and I have known each other for a few years remotely, and so the fact that we were coincidentally on the show together, I thought added uh, a pretty pretty fun level of interest i thought having so so let's do this two ways first of all let's do this like my personal experience subjectively and then this let's do this objectively for your platform right my personal experience is i had a fun time and i had a really good excuse to get more into civ 6 multiplayer because i just don't play multiplayer at all and so I think I'm a pretty decent Civ 6 player. I enjoy it and think I'm pretty good at it. And that's from a purely single player experience. Multiplayer was a whole new game for me. And then from an objective point of view, I think it's really good for your platform to have a guest every time. And I think when you bring in an external antagonist, when you have like someone that the three of you can either like can which one of us can beat this external antagonist the best or can we beat them together i think that's a, a really good added flavor for what you've already established on your show overall i think it's a good idea and i had a good time i didn't enjoy hosting the game (laughs) (laughs) okay i'll give i'll give you that one i'm not gonna i have nothing yeah because i you know because i don't stream right but i had to host the game because i'm on mac and you're on pc and for some reason we we have decided that pc and mac have to have differences 
we can't fix that problem, even though it's 2020. So, so when you and I did our practice game to the, make sure to make sure it worked, uh, it was fine. When I was hosting you guys, the lag was so bad. I played that entire game in strategic view. Really? Yeah. I felt fine personally. Yeah, I felt it was pretty good too. Yeah, yeah I thought it was great. The connection was like flawless. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what to tell you, man. For me, the the lag hosting four players was awful. So that entire game, I played in strategic view. So and that that kind of that proposed some challenges for me because I don't play in strategic view. So. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's that's what I thought. All in all, I still I had a grand time. I really did. Nystagmus, how did you how did you feel about our this this special session we hosted last week? Uh, I thought it was great fun. Um, although I didn't uh, we'll wait for Zoe to get a little bit more because he had a little bit more interaction with Vector Cat, I think. Um, my interaction was more with copper cutters, but even then it was like we didn't really get like too far into it. Um, but I know that um Vectorcat and Zoe kind of waged like an epic religious war for like the entire game. So, um, uh, but I thought it was a ton of fun. It added more depth to the game because usually when it's just the three of us, it, you know, there's like, um, um, there's no inhabits among all three of us, right? And so um, adding in extra players kind of, you know, makes it more unpredictable about what will happen, especially when it comes to where you're spawning on the map and, and how close everyone is to each other and stuff. So I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. The um, fact that even anyone did religion was so different than what we normally do. Like me and Astagmus and Zoe, the Vector Cat went, re- he went like full on, I'm just going to say it, balls deep into religion. Like he, like, like he built nothing but holy sites. And this dude, I, I can't believe it. No, no one ever does that. Okay, he built harbors, probably for his, just to have some little trade routes to spread his, uh, help spread <laughs> religion, his religion. Yeah. yeah. But I was just shocked that somebody even did it in a multiplayer game because I've never seen that in all of my multiplayer games, not just from the Civ show, but even from uh, Turns of War and even from just playing with friends. No one goes that deep into religion. Is that something that you normally do as a strategy when you're playing uh, a civilization like Georgia who's so focused on faith? I enjoy the religious victory type. I know it's not popular with a lot of players, but I think it can be an interesting and rewarding uh, win con. Uh, when you're looking at uh, Georgia on a Terra map, religion kind of makes sense. Um, especially because you can... what Once you get your golden or heroic age you're fine like your your religious game is locked in and also playing playing georgia on a terra map if you can get if any of the city states in the game have religious bonuses and you can capitalize on that then do so and georgia doesn't have benefits that really go into a scientific win, right? They don't really have benefits that on the surface go into a tourism win. And 
they're built to be defensive, not offensive. So you might be on the back foot if you're trying to go for a domination win. So just min-maxing a religious strategy was the thing that made the most logistical sense to me. And uh, I also thought with, with Arabia and Spain in the game, uh, I thought some kind of religious competition might feed into a, a a productive result for the episode because the whole the whole like one of the major components of the platform is trying to do these experiments and figure out which is best, right? So if we don't have a religious competition, then we're going to have less things to talk about. So we might as well have some kind of religious competition, and so that played into the strategy as well. So yeah, so it was partly. What do I know I can do well? It was partly how can I play the map effectively? And it was partly how can I help make sure that this is going to be content that produces something worth discussing after the fact. Okay, I, I like that. I, I like how you said religion on Terra. Uh, that does make sense. That makes a lot of sense. Since everyone's on the same continent, it's super easy to spread religion. Zo, uh, I want to welcome you, buddy. You're early. Look at you, bud. Did you get your haircut early this week? Happy Canada Day. Uh, I've actually traveled from the future backwards to get here on oh. time. Uh, I, I was supposed to be three hours late. Three yeah, hours it's crazy. Late. It's crazy. I know. I know. Nice bow tie, though. I like your bow tie. For those who are just well, listening, he's wearing a bow, shirt that just has bow, bow ties. Bow ties are cool, oh, my friend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So we're in the middle of a conversation of the last game. So how did you feel about the last game? The fact that we had special guests as well. Uh, the fact that there was a religious victory that was kind of almost on the on the doorstep. How did you feel of the overall picture of the last game? The dumpster fire game. The dumpster um, fire game. Yeah. I I, I appreciated that uh, we ba- we had smart AI, and I uh, it's a pleasure to meet you there, uh, my my nemesis vector cat. We had a love hate relationship that game. Um, I it was very interesting. His uh, I I always appreciate the audacity of uh of a player like vector cat uh who you know like his first you know coming through and and scouting and thinking that was okay and that i would be okay (laughs) with that and i was like no not okay and then coming and converting my trying to convert my cities and he did it pretty quick and i was like no and i declared war uh and i actually i think really i shouldn't have pressed for peace uh because i was then in military mode uh, and I think if I had pressed for war, I would have started conquering cities, um, and I should have. And the only reason I didn't was indeed to in- increase the speed of the game. But I'm never doing that again uh, because within a turn, uh, Nystagnus was at war with our other uh, human AI. Um, so uh, uh, I think I went to war twice with copper cutters. Yeah, one us to yeah. stop him from spreading his religion. The other time he declared war on me randomly. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, um, th- I think that I should have pressed the war and continued and not declared peace. I didn't need peace. My, my cities were content. Um, my, my, my war machine was starting to go. I was starting to pump out units. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, my good friend, uh, the Georgians had a lot of archers and I think maybe some crossbowmen at the time, but like not a whole lot of melee units. So um it would have been a bit of a bloody conflict of course he's i I don't know if he had his good walls at the time um i uh 
I think I liked having the human players there that were there as like I said, like like almost like having a a good AI at the table, but it was a human AI. Um, I liked that for sure. Um, and that, um, you know, we are still talking to them and engaging with them. Um, but, uh, so that was interesting. Um, I fell in love with Spain by the end of, 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 of using Spain. It's a neat little, like, it is definitely a dumpster fire sieve, but, uh, it's a neat little sieve. Uh, you have to, for how we generally play, you couldn't be Spain. Uh, and there are, there are a couple sieves like that, that because we don't have multiple continents, you can't play Spain. Uh, their only benefit was that that gold was pretty great. And then I was playing a religious game, but now I've increasingly begun playing a religious game. So um, I, uh, I appreciated that. I think my favorite part of the game was when I started advancing my religious army on Vector Cat just as he was advancing. And it was a total coincidence just as he was advancing his uh, religious army on me. Uh, unfortunately, though, the one thing the Spanish got is those Inquisitors. And uh, and I was in full, like, I had the theocracy up. I had, like, the civics for battle up. Um, so I was ready to, to engage in a religious war. And my aim was to provoke him into declaring war on me um, by, you know, and then I had my my wall of units outside of his border, um, but all in all, it was fun. It was it was an interesting game. Uh, you know, I I hate losing to Moy, especially when he's just there on Turd Mountain doing nothing. You should be used to it by now. Having so many times. trading with the world out on the on the hub. It's like ah, next time, Moy. Next time. Um, but no, it was fun, um, and uh, I I appreciated the uh, the back and forth I had with uh, with Georgia. They were a much more interesting neighbor than the other neighbor I had. <laughs> me? You're talking yeah. to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm talking, I'm talking How many you. trade routes did you come? Did did you send to my land? They don't even don't even like answer that yeah, seriously. We had, we had a little we had a little crappy skirmish, but like now that this is becoming uh, the thing that at midnight we're 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 saying you know last turn. Um, I think you're you're gonna start seeing more and more, especially like. The, the, the tag team at 11 o'clock. It might even be at 10.30, where it's just like, okay, time to go to war. Here we go. And um, if the other player's smart, they'll join in, and we'll have a, a bloodbath. Um, so, uh, and either way, I think it was very interesting having so many religious, like, I, in the end, that was kind of a, a really perfect balance, having um, those civilizations at the table, and then the Congolese there, too. Um who uh, were just at the mercy of, well, they wanted other people spreading. But I knew what was going to happen with the Congolese, and it did happen, and you did it, and good for you. The religion, um, honestly, I don't think had any effect they had, on the doesn't, You don't need the religion, but they, they you, you, I don't know, I'm guessing you you had some relics or... No, were, I had zero relics. Using the artwork, you weren't, you, okay, then fine. The artwork I got, Never mind. I don't get artwork you from religion. You the game, you use your game genie yeah, once yeah, again. Yeah, you lost, you <laughs> blame external 30, sources, you can't 30 accept population losing. Yeah, I know. Had nothing just, to do with any of the Congolese ability. yourself, you can't any live yourself, and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Although, uh, uncharacteristically, not to defend Moy here, but like, the last thing you said there, none of the Congolese abilities, I'm like, you mean someone used the abilities of the Civ that they're playing to win the game? 
Man, I figured figured the reason he had such big population was he was because well the Congolese have they can get tons of food they can get tons of food and I guess if he didn't use it that's fine that was like he just he just decided to not use his sieve at all that's fine man the stagmas you want with this you want with Germany it's all because of the production that you get man it's those Hansas (laughs) yeah the damn Hansas it's 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 the extra district you're cheating you get an extra district why are you doing how do you do this. The Congo doesn't produce extra food. They just get extra housing. You still got to earn your food. I thought their their relics and their pieces of art. Oh, yeah. Food. You know what? You're right. You're right. So the relic. Yeah. Relics. I didn't get a single relic, though. I had two sculptures. So it was, it, that was a plus four on the food. But that's uh, all your cities, right? All your cities get the plus no, the only food the or just the city, that, only the city that hosts the great work. OK. Was that in your city with a population 30? I didn't get a population 30. Uh, I wanted I to. I thought, I thought I you said it. you had a population 30 city. No, I wanted to get it. Uh, I wanted to get the achievement because the achievement for Congo is to get 30 population in one of your cities. I didn't okay. get it. Um, the game didn't last long enough. I think I could have, but I just I just didn't. The one kind of thing that that did suck with, uh, and and it's why like maybe we'd have to change it up in the future uh, if we do have human guests is unless it's one human guests, um, it's just too, the game was too slow. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, and. Um, I hate turn timers. Um, uh, you know, we, we yeah, we're usually. Pr- I understand why we need them. That game, I was going as fast as I could, um, and that was kind of a, fr- a frustrating thing too. Is I had the, the two continents, but Spain has to do that. Like Spain needs to rush and take over continents because you you end up getting trade treaty like tra- trade routes that are producing insane amounts um, across the water. Um, so, uh, I had to do that as quickly as possible to, to, to ramp up my gold, um, and just use most of Spain's abilities or like, you know, go and go and conquer elsewhere. But, oh yeah, interesting game. I had fun. So let's take a small, quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we will be ranking all four of the civilizations that we've played into the tier list and someone will voluntarily rank Scythia. Uh, whoever knows the best. Maybe we'll all mutually agree where Scythia is ranked. Uh, but that will be after the break. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Civ Show podcast. We suck so you don't have to. Let's take a little bit, a stroll uh, stroll down this the, this the tier list lane and... <laughs> Let's rank these civilizations. I, I, I talked about George's ranking on Vector Cat's podcast, the Civ 6 Challenge League podcast. You can check that out on Spotify. And I want to hear his take because I want to hear your guys' reactions to his, to his ranking. So Vector Cat, please take it away. You're, you're making me start with this inflammatory nonsense, really? Yeah, yeah because I really want to hear the other people's opinions on it as well. All right, so this is this is cruel of you, right? Because you already know what I'm about to say. And so I've come here as a bridge builder, my friends. You see, what I'm what I'm about to do here, if I can try to do it, is I'm going to start with my reasoning the way Zoe and I feel about tier lists. Oh, here we go. And- okay. And then I'm going to use that reasoning to give a ranking, a single ranking that Moy and Nystagmus will be satisfied with. 
See, I'm going to show it's possible to do both. All right. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a risk here and I'm going to admit, I might say something about Georgia that few people have ever said. And that's just simply that they're not crap. They just frankly aren't. So here's the thing with Georgia And here's why, this is where we start on the me and Zozo foot, okay? When you consider all the mechanics that go into the game, when you consider how a game can go, Georgia is either S-tier or F-tier. It depends on what's happening in your game, how you're playing them, and who you're playing against. Because if you are... Is this how I sound? Is this... I'm laughing because he looks like a floating head. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's no, it's it's. You're right. He does. He does look like a floating head. Have, is that better? It, is that better? No, it's good. No, I, no, like I, it. Like it. I, I like it. I like it. I like it. Is that, it was or, good. Should I make it? Should, should Should I make it worse? Just um, say this. Say I want you to say this. Repeat after me. Mecca like a high. Mecca hidey ho. <laughs> I don't get that reference. You would not get that reference. The <laughs> Stagnus might have a chance. I have a vague I don't know how old. I have a vague recollection of that reference. I don't know how how old uh, Vector Cat is if he would get that reference. Okay, it's actually, yeah, he, he, this is what you it's, sound like. It's so actually Mecca like a high, Mecca Heine Heine Ho. But anyway, Mecca uh, like a high, Mecca Heine Ho. <laughs> so so here's the thing about here's the thing about Georgia. And again, like I'm really not I'm I'm not trying to antagonize uh, Moy and Nystagmus here. I'm trying to say that the that both both of these things, both of these thought processes can coexist. Because when I look at Georgia and I look at if you're able to work the era score mechanic properly and you can take advantage of that single benefit alone, then you can rock the game. Because Georgia's infrastructure benefit, not that strong, right? Uh, 50% bonus to infrastructure development. Well, that's a policy card that already exists in the game, okay? So you're going to have that benefit only 75% of the game. That civilization ability becomes obsolete once you research, I think it's steel, where you can no longer build walls and your cities get automatic defense, right? So that is a unique, yeah, late game, exactly. So that is an ability that has a built-in termination date, right? The Kevser is not that great. It's not crap, but it's not astonishing. And all of, and the uh, 100% faith bonus when you declare a protectorate war is good, but how often are you going to be able to build a protectorate, uh, to declare a protectorate war? That requires that your opponent or AI triggers that condition to give you that cost of spell eye. So some of their benefits are situational. The trade off is their heroic and golden age benefit is absolutely amazing. You have the choice to either slingshot from a dark age into a heroic age and stay golden the rest of the game, which is what I chose to do, or you can yo-yo back and forth between dark age and heroic age. And this is why I 
was on the back foot on paper the whole game. Because I knew that in the ancient era, right, there were only two benefits I could get safely. Number one, I could get the boost to archery. And number two, I could get the boost to writing. I could not clear a barbarian encampment, right? I had to end the ancient era in a dark age because I needed the heroic era to catapult into the mid game. And then I stayed in a golden age after that. And that's why my score was so low, right? Because when you go from a dark to a heroic era as Georgia, you get three golden age benefits and you get three standard era benefits. Oh, yeah, because you get for every for every. So if you if you ever played Georgia, when you get it, it's not choose science and then you can choose something else. It's that you choose science and you get the golden age for science and you get the normal age for science. And it's yeah. one in it's all in one box. So if you get a heroic age, it'll say this, this, this. So uh, and if I if you don't mind, Vector Cat, uh, I just want to comment no, go on, ahead. on what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and you're and what he's saying is is absolutely true. Is that uh, George's main benefit? You get to make that choice between do you want to do you want to yo-yo back and forth and have the the the, the dark ages to the uh, which I actually think if you do it properly because there are some pretty sick dark age policy cards that are very very specific right for what you're doing. So especially if you're doing the religious one, okay, if you do it properly. Uh, say you're in the Dark Age for Ancient and then Dark Age for Medieval and then maybe Dark Age for um, I'd probably only get two in there. Like the Golden, the gold, the Heroic Age is fantastic, but it's a big detriment to have 20 turns of Dark Age. Yeah, I think for Georgia, you want to be in a Dark Age and Industrial era. That's really yeah, that's they're, they're, where they're you want to be in a there's, Dark there's Age. There's a couple. Yeah. So, so, okay, so I'll try to be quick on my my thought here on, on Georgia. Um so, yeah, if you do that, you you end up having that, you know, you you can actually have like almost every age is is, is a is a uh, golden age. And I guess in aggregate throughout the game, that's really useful. But I think that when when they designed this game, this sieve, I think they overplayed the importance of having a constant golden age uh, or or doing the 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 yo-yo. Uh, every other age is a heroic age. I think they over uh, they over. Uh, thought that it'd be that great uh, because if you look at the rest of George's powers, they're really, really weak. And I think it's because the developers thought that that power would be really, really strong. But the truth of the matter is, once you learn um, the how to how to work how to, how to utilize the era system, most civilizations can do something very similar. And yeah, it's cool that when you um, you know, get the golden age, the heroic age, you're getting uh, a plus one every time you you make a religion, a new city, a plus one for every trade route, a plus one for every eureka, like an era point. That is that is good. But in aggregate throughout the game, I just don't know if it's significant enough, um, especially when you look at the rest of their abilities are very, very weak. Um, I, I, I like that there is a sieve that has city walls as they're they're cool and i think it's neat that you get that 50 percent bonus because actually that would stack with your defense structure so i'd be 150 to build walls but i think that 
their unit come their their special building comes too late. Um, I think Renaissance walls is not that far from steel. Uh, and it, it's essentially what it is, is your Renaissance wall are steel. That's what it is. You get, you get steel walls with Renaissance and they provide additional bonuses. I think they, Renaissance is too late. I think for it to be relevant, it should have been a medieval wall. And if it was a medieval wall that counted as a steel wall, okay, that's now a completely different story. Now you're saying that there are going to be two eras, approximately maybe three eras even, uh, that uh, Georgian cities are going to be very, very hard to take, um, and uh, which makes them an interesting defensive sieve. Now they can build up on their own and then choose their strategy. I think Renaissance is too late. I think by that time, doesn't matter. Uh, Steel is maybe twenty turns away. Um, if they, I think if they just fix that one thing, I would agree. Georgia is a more powerful sieve than it is, but. There's no way it's an, it's between S and F. Era bonuses are great. Golden Ages are great, but they're not that great. There's no opinion. way it's between S and F. What? Hold well, he on. said so he me, said it's either it's me, an S tier or an though. F tier. Okay, okay. okay. Let me let me finish though, and uh, and and I agree with what you say about the walls there, and I think similarly about the. Uh, the Kevser, like it's just not there yet. Like, and it, it suffers from the same thing that most unique units that are unlocked with military tactics suffer from is just they're unlocked by military tactics and military tactics. I think in really to optimize, uh, the game at this point, I think it would really, they really need to move military tactics down to the bottom of the tech tree. They really need to put it before stirrups. Um, I th- and, and that would be a, just an automatic buff to every unit that is, uh, unlocked by that, uh, by that, uh, research policy, uh, or that technology. So about the whole S to, to F thing. So the thing is, what I'm saying is if you don't, if, if you're not playing on deity where the difference between a golden and heroic era really, really matters, and breaks or makes your game. And if you're not maximizing on Georgia, if you're just playing them as if they don't have any benefits, they're an F tier sieve. When you've got things working, they're S tier in the game when things line up. So because of that, because they have the ability to have some really power spike moments and prolong that power spike longer in a game than other sieves have, I think I think they're a C tier sieve. I don't think they're that crap. I think they sit you, you comfortably. You're gonna take the mean? Yeah, I think they sit comfortably in the C tier, and I also wouldn't have any objection in them being in D tier, just because they they require some complexity of play. And I also, you know, what you're saying about the developers' philosophy about the era score being important, you got to remember that Georgia dropped the same time the era score system dropped, right? Georgia came out as a vehicle for players to 
explore and learn how to understand the ERA score system, much like Japan partly exists so that you can learn the district system, just like Eleanor of Aquitaine exists a little bit so you can understand loyalty, right? So there are some sieves in the game that philosophically can exist as tutorials that don't look like tutorials, and Georgia suffers a little bit for that. So I don't see it going any higher than C, but I don't agree with the rest of the entire internet that they're an F tier sieve. <laughs> I, the the comment I'll make for Georgia and I think why they they get such a, a bad rap. Um, you can have games with Georgia where effectively it's a civilization that has no 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 bonus whatsoever, uh, and that can be very like detrimental. Like when you have a civilization that's essentially because if they're in a normal age, they that's it. They're they're civilization. They don't get. Uh, their their unit is yeah. very temporary. Uh, their their special building is not that fantastic. It's you know it's a little bit better. Hundred extra hit points over the wall that's already available at that time. And by then you're well on your way to steal. Once you're at Renaissance Wall, you're well on your way to just let's get all of my things having steel. Um, and uh, on top of that, their leadership bonus is is kind of really garbage uh plus 100 to faith for for 10 turns or whatever when you declare a type of war this isn't like australia's production all right faith is just not that critical um i think easy fix for georgia i'd say one of two things at least let them get that building earlier let them have the that fancy wall earlier i'd say for medieval wall or do something cool that plays on the era mechanic and have something like when you're in a golden or um, heroic age, the loyalty bonus that your cities get, all of your cities get the same thing for uh, religious pressure. So during your golden age, you're also pushing your faith out. So you're pushing your loyalty and your faith out and the surrounding civilizations end up being detrimented during their golden age and they're just this beacon of and that's an, it's annoying because they're highly defensive and they're you know they're annoying to invade i think that could be very interesting but because they don't have that at all i think that's why people say it is it is the dumpster fire of, of civs is there can be many games where effectively you're just a blank civ you have no benefits whatsoever yeah i 100 percent agree even if it was just all their golden ages are heroic, I think that would be a lot better. And I think that would be actually put them in like at least A, right? And I think that's pretty balanced. I think that would be pretty good. Or if you get two golden in a row, you know, the, it's a heroic. That two, or yeah, they choose two golden. Uh, when they're in a golden age, they, cho they choose two. In a heroic, they choose three. So at least like you want to get more golden ages, then you can get more. I think that would be the most balanced out of everything here. Um, but yeah, that, okay, so I'm gonna put them at C tier. Uh, I think you, I think they're above Kemir, which makes me a little bit mad, but should that's be a fine. C, a C with an asterisk. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? No, because then all of your things are gonna be asterisk. I'm, I'm com you know, like I said, I'm comfortable with D tier. So, again, I know we talked about like the tier list and you know, whether or not to you know, uh, aggravate me or Moisas and stuff like that. And so, I just wanted to make like a small point on that, and so. It's perfectly okay to make the the acknowledgement that things change based on certain factors. But whenever we come up with something like a tier list, the most important thing we have to remember is utility. If we're doing it, does it have a utility, right? And so the utility is what is the relative strength, all things being equal 
of the civilization is based on how easy they are to play. That's how I saw it usually, right? Now, of course, if things change, then obviously civilizations can be taken advantage of to be more powerful. But if everything turns into, if you do this, this, or this, it's this tier, this tier, then the utility of the tier list in itself falls apart. That's the way I view it. Right. When that's why I was poking fun at Zoe a lot. Right. Which is. No, no, no. And, at, and I, can, I, I think that's a valid way to. Yeah. Sorry. I, I just I think that's a valid way to look <laughs> at it. I was trying to say, because what you're saying just now is true. I think you can use this. If then, then this approach to then find the average mean between the two. And that's why for Georgia, I settle on C and give and give you and the stag, uh, give you and Moy one answer, which is yeah, which is the difference of what you but you did between what Zoe did, right? Which when <laughs> I propose, when I put forward, well, it's it's more you're not getting what I'm saying, okay? When I put forward what I'm going to suggest for the tier system is as simple: we choose like three categories, like utility, versatility, and say power spike. Okay, say those were the ones that we chose, and we say this is how. We are judging them and it's like a scale of one to five and you just give them that. You add the number up. A S tier is a 15 out of 15. An A tier is a 14 out of 14 and so on, so forth. And but, then you go down so the you alphabet. You can do that Very, very simple. On your own and then tell us where it's it the goes, simplest, right? It's like, the <laughs> simplest thing in the world. You look at your sieve. It's like, oh, I have an idea. Let's make an arbitrary tier system or let's put a little thought into it and give each of these three categories a rating out of five. And then we'll know fairly whether this is an S tier or whether this is an arbitrary S tier. It's not difficult, in my opinion. I don't think this that's isn't it. arbitrary. Even when I look at this tier list, I can I can agree with basically everything on here. It's like Most, you look at I S tier, like, yeah, you look at A tier, yeah. I think when you when you play when you play those, yeah, I think it's pretty like. And if you look, the majority of on on the tier list, most of the sieves, there's a big chunk which are in I think the the C or B B category, yeah. Like Canada's in there, and a bunch of other ones are in there. Canada's not there's, ranked there's, yet. No. There, well, it depends. And again, there are like three in circulation. I could show you one right yeah, now. Yeah, I could yeah. Pull there up are one right now ones, yes. where they're in the beer. Where they're in the beer list. And the other thing you're looking at is: Are they looking at multiplayer? Are they looking at against the computer? And those are two completely different things. And I think I think we're gonna just spin our wheels on this because, like, in general. Any list like this is arbitrary by definition. I disagree. I think that by the end of season two, we'll have a, a very non-arbitrary system. <laughs> Moving on. Can we move on? <laughs> sure. So I, uh, what Destagma said about uh, you know things like the the utility of a sieve. Uh, I don't know what sieve you want to move on to next, but I think that's a great springboard into suggesting that I think Scythia would go also into C or D tier. They have utility that expires as well. They, it's funny because when, you know, Scythia used to be like, like, S-tier. like A tier, S tier, like people were like, wow, this is such a powerful sieve. And it's only like when you play them a couple times, you're like, wow, they kind of are literally a two horse wonder. You know, yeah. once they that uh, uh, once they get beyond and they don't have the fallback that like Gilgamesh has that like he has like right off the bat. Yeah. Build a bunch of war wagons. You might be able to take out one, maybe two other civilizations nearby you or at least a few city states. And then they run out of steam and then they can fall back on their cool um, their science, science culture building. Right. Uh, and they can catch up. Um, Scythia doesn't have that. Right. Scythia has they get that and then they basically become a flavorless sieve where they don't get 
um, relevant powers moving, well, not powers, but relevant abilities moving forward. So I, yeah. I could see that comparison much like Georgia. But yeah, they're early, all early. Yeah, you're talking about the Sumerian uh, ziggurat and to yeah. science, to culture is good through the whole game. The Scythian Kurgan is not as useful. So yeah, 100%, I'm right there with you. So I'd say Scythia easily, like, I'd say D tier. I say D tier. I say D tier personally. But I think that's also where Georgia should be. But I'm I'm okay a plus one or minus one generally. I'm cool with D tier for both. I really am. Okay, I'll move. I'll gladly move Georgia down. <laughs> like I'm, like, I'm you not move, even gonna question. Uh, did it. you take my request and move Poland down? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. So you move they're Poland least down C-tier. to at least C. 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 There's C-C-C. no way they're they're there's no way they're they're as good as Australia. Yeah. Oh, don't no don't move Poland Australia. down on the night. But where don't you let's have not me talk here. about Poland. Let's not talk about <laughs> Poland tonight. Uh, let's move. I on want to know about Arabia. How Arabia, yeah. which was arguably the best sieve of the dumpster fire sieves, there happened to do just so mediocre that yeah. game. Like. When it's when I'm ranking them, it's kind of hard because I did an atrocious job that game. Like, first of all, again, part of it was like my and we talked about this after the game, right? Like, I had a settler stolen for me, like immediately. Uh, a barbarian was hiding in the fog of war, and I didn't see them. No um, sympathy. Whatever. Like, I'm not saying have sympathy, right? I'm just I'm having an explanation. Like, you, you're the one who talks about the snowball effect very much in this game. You're right. Um, and so. Uh, I just couldn't catch up at that point. And then when I couldn't match the production and I didn't have a strong enough military, when especially copper cutters was trying to like kill my religion, <laughs> which is one of the strengths of my, my sieve. Right? Um, and I couldn't save it because he converted my, like, he immediately converted my capital. Like he was just saving and converted my capital. I tried to build a holy site elsewhere in order to save it. But then VectorCat decided to come in and start changing my cities as well. And I just thought, I'm like, I can't stop them. So I gave up like one of the main strengths of my sieve, um, probably through mid game, um, just because of, I was behind, I didn't, I didn't focus on it. And so, and also, um, to be honest, uh, Arabia doesn't play to like how my, my play style is. It's like a religion kind of sieve. I don't really play religious kind of uh, game. Um, I, I would imagine that if Vector Cat had Arabia or if Zoe had Arabia, that the way they were playing the game, that would kind of lead to them winning a lot, you know, have a more decisive victory uh, or moving towards victory. Um, and so it's really hard for me to rank. Like all of their abilities are really useful. Those knights that they get are fantastic. I really like them. I was able to use them for an extra era without having to upgrade them. Um, oh, wow. wow. So they were effective enough. Um, I would say, and that's only because even though they weren't doing as much damage because they heal automatically, they're able to recoup that loss. So it may take me extra turns to kill units outside of or um, units outside of my era um, because they're able to heal and tank more damage before they die. They were able to do that and they're fast, right? So because they're cavalry units, you can build them on one end of your civilization and get them up to the front lines within like a turn, a turn or two. That's how I was able to position against copper cutters when he like tried to weigh his entire 900 strength army on my like 300 strength army and my 300 strength army was basically seven of those knights that was basically all i had at when that when that war broke out and i was able to move around and flank his units as he was trying to move in they they have that special knight the leader ability is really cool right 10 percent production for 
Um, and then also entices other people to take your religion. I was hoping to take advantage of that with Woy because he's like right beside me and he doesn't care. I was trying to like take advantage of that, especially since I also, I was also somehow, I, got, I was able to get work ethic for my religion. Um, and the fact that you get a religion no matter what is also very powerful. I had work ethic too. Something messed up about yeah, that. Yeah, something we messed up. I, I got We shouldn't ethic. have all been able to get work ethic. And then, you know, just like their unique building as well um, is, is something that's, is, it turns basically like your campuses into holy sites, like kind of makeshift holy sites, right? Like that still create faith for you, but you can't make like profits or anything like that. But like you can build up a lot of faith. And what I like to do, and this didn't happen to me because I sucked that game and I completely crashed and burned most of the game, um, is I like to choose uh, monumentally, uh, monumental monumentality uh, when I get a golden age if I'm behind, so I can use faith to buy like settlers and workers all over the place and and basically improve all my tiles. Um, and so if you have a high faith output, you can do that. And also I've been using, I've been better lately at using my faith to like buy great people and and spend through it. Um, that's why I was wondering what Copper Cutters was doing the whole time. I was like, why isn't he spending his faith? And we never found out. We never found out. <laughs> we'll find out in the Discord later probably that, what strategy he had. Um, and so it's hard for me to rank them because I think they're very powerful, but I think I also sucked very much at that game. Like that was like probably like F tier level um, play from me, like from my when I first started playing, basically. That's how bad it was, which is I think it's psychological warfare on your guys' part who you keep on. Every single time I pick a sieve, you guys are like, wow, that's like a really powerful sieve. You should do really good and like all this stuff and all the pressures. You did good with Grand Columbia. Uh, yeah, how can you not do good with Grand Columbia? Like, how, like, come on. In reality, how can you not do good with Grand Columbia, right? Like, um, and so I would, I would, I would solidly put Arabia in the A tier category just because all their wow. abilities are useful. Hundred percent. Surprised. Okay. Yep. Hundred percent. I think, I think for re- religion civs though, just let me just quickly throw this at you. I think for religion civs, and it's it's definitely if you don't know religion well, if you don't know like how to use religion well, I definitely recommend figuring out because the neat thing about religion is yeah you can do religious victory but it's not necessary what religion uh, civs religious civs actually do is their religion informs their victory condition it makes it it enhances it and improves it so it's not the 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 victory condition in itself it's but you choose it so you know i was spain i knew i was going to be expansionistic i knew that i needed to get my settlements out there as quickly as possible so you know i went with with religious colonization and work ethic you know, and it, and it helped inform my strategy. So Arabia, in theory, would be the same. But I imagine, like, did you take, like, Crusader or something like that? No, I, I can't remember. I know I took work ethic. And then I usually, and this is because of my play style, right? Because uh, I'm like Moy. I love science, although I'm moving away from that lately. I usually also, I, so I choose something that usually improves my production. And then I choose something that improves my science. Mm. Um, that's usually my goal when I'm when I'm picking the belief system. But that's with with Arabia, they have the science. So if you use the religion to inform their science, they that is you know that's religion can be a great companion. It doesn't have to be a, a win in itself. It can be an excellent companion to support the, oh, yeah. the rest of your strategy. That's why like religious ships can be very powerful because it's versatile. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Religion is versatile. I think that's a, a good way of of expressing it. Right. And, and like, just because it's a religious strength, like even the science victory, like, or the sciences, you don't have to use science to win a science victory. You can use science to win a domination victory by simply yeah. out teching everybody and then just attacking them. 
there's a lot of like different facets to how you can you can inform the victory. The reason why I think Arabia is in A tier is because of the versatility. It, it, they're not very pigeonholed, right? They, you know, they don't have to be, um, you know, if they choose their religious beliefs a certain way, they can be very powerful one way or the other, depending on what they choose, right? And because they're also guaranteed one. So they, they're guaranteed that versatility, no matter what. Mm-hmm. That's true. So why don't we talk about Spain? Because you, you briefly touched on them. Why don't you just kind of sure. go for it, buddy? Go for um, it. Okay, so Spain is one of those, I guess it's almost like the Incans, where you're very limited by the map. Uh, so you need continents. Uh, because a big part of Spain's uh, ability is trade. So, tr- so Spain is like a money religion sieve. They got lots of faith. They got ways to get faith. They got ways to get, or, or they're encouraged to get faith rather. Uh, and then they, they can make a lot, a lot of money. But the way that they make money is they need to have trade is coming from another continent. Um, so once you start, once you get on another continent, though, you start you start a trade route at that city and then go elsewhere, and you're gonna have these amazing twenty gold, um, you know, transactions where everything else is eight gold. So like very very quick. I got I've had games where it gets very very high very very quickly. Um, so they they end up having lots and lots of money, and they're also great at defending their religion. Their their inquisitors remove hundred percent of faith. And often what the mistake I make with Spain is I don't get Inquisitors fast enough. Like I had when Vector Cat overswept me with some mercen- uh, with his missionaries, he actually converted some of my CCs way faster than I thought he would. Um, and I did not have, I was saving up. And sometimes it, you can wait to get your final belief. You don't need to have all of them, okay? Uh, sometimes you need to get, because it's not just the removing heresy, it's having that combat unit. Spain is this interesting combination of religion and um, and faith. I didn't get to use, though, like their conquistador, you know, in theory, if I conquer a city, I'll convert it. Uh, I didn't get to really do that. Um, So a lot of it's like, meh, not fantastic. Anyways, the conquistador itself is interesting. If you have a religious unit with it, it gets plus 10 combat. So it's essentially a 65 uh, unit, 65 gunpowder unit. Uh, but you have to have that the religion units there. And those of you that know about missionaries and stuff, there is no link. You can't link them. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You can't link it. You, you can't, you can't create formation. Yeah. Which makes your turns a lot longer. And when you have huffy puffy people pouting at you about turn length, it makes it a lot longer because you have to move them with him. So I Says had my the military guy who complains about turn length all I, the I time. I had my I had my military line, you know, advancing on uh skit on the on Georgia, but I had to move my military units first and then I had to use move my missionaries up. And that was very tedious. Um so I wish they would just fix that and link them together. Um it is a dumpster fire sieve though. It's still down there. Uh, needing, whenever you have a sieve that specifically needs something like continents, needs mountains, you know, needs this or it's not that great. Uh, there's a sieve like Canada where it's like, yeah, it makes Tundra good. But the thing with that is like, that's cool, but it's still in itself a good sieve. Like you don't need Tundra to be good with, Although, with, with Canada. I'd argue that Canada doesn't make Tundra good. It just makes it like not bad. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know the new, the new, the the newer. I don't know the like because you're getting, you're getting. Uh, it's not just. I don't care about the agriculture. What I care about is the plus to production that you get to your mines, the plus to production that you get to your lumber mills, and that you get generate a hundred plus hundred percent for your strategic resources. That's, That's what I cool. care about. That's really cool. That means that you're, you know, that is an industrial sieve. So that means you're encouraged to. That's not making it uh, average. That's it, making it far better. 100% strategic resource extraction. That's really good. I would say Russia makes tundra not bad. Canada sure. makes tundra I'm, I'm good. Talk, but my apologies. My apologies. I, I book of digression. Um, so specific, specifically speaking to Spain, um, the trade bonus is cool, but it requires continent. Too specific. Conquistador, it's a neat unit. But honestly, uh, a city converting to your faith, yeah, I guess if you're, you, you pretty much, they are a religious victory. That's the way they have to win. Religious domination. Like they have to go conquer. And as they're going, they're, they're, but that's only that one unit. If they had that they convert uh, automatically, that'd be great. I guess in later games, you just have to bring the conquistador with you. And as long as it's beside the new city you conquer, great. It'll convert to the religion. Okay. But that's kind of annoying. Um, and the Conquistador itself is essentially a musketman. It's not really any different than a musketman. I think it'd be neat if it could do, I don't know, like each one of them, maybe if it got like it could convert a city. Yeah, that would be kind of neat. Or well. if, yeah. if Conquistadors could attack a religious unit, you know, <laughs> that would be neat, you know, um, but they can't do anything like that. So uh, ultimately, uh, it has the civili this civilization has the potential to be a blank sieve where you're not really getting any any benefits, especially if you don't end up getting a religion. If you don't get a religion, a bunch of Spain stuff's useless. Your inquisitors, inquisitors, you're only doing uh, your inquisition for sorry your inquisition. You're only doing that for your faith. You're only doing that for the faith that you founded. Okay, you're not you're not building inquisitors for someone else's faith. So if you don't get religion, that ability is is garbage. If you don't get religion, your conquistadors are just musketmen. Okay, uh, so that that ability is garbage. Um, the mission is cool, you I guess, but it's it, I think it's dumb that it has to be on the other continent. So if it's on another continent, you can build a mission, and if it's beside the city, you get plus two loyalty. Okay, when you're far away from your cities, loyalty can matter. Uh, it's not a big enough bonus, I think. Two to, is to affect enough. anything. Two, no, uh, it gives you some other things too, but it's it's too late. You get it with exploration. That is way too, and all of Spain's stuff, it's like Renaissance era, it's too late for it to really matter. Um, so I'm I'm ultimately like, I think I played them well. I think I played them the way they, they, they should be played. Like I beelined to cartography and I settled the other continent. I had, I had like three cities and I conquered a city state on the other continent. Maybe if I hadn't gone to war with Georgia so early, I would have colonized more. Um, but, uh, in the end, uh, it just, it wasn't enough. Uh, I, I give them a D they're like a, a D tier sieve. Ooh. Yeah. They're, they're not like, I guess in, in, in the sieve show, we're very generous with our rating. So I'll, I guess I can give them a C, but no, they're not as good as, as Poland. So no, a D. <laughs> uh, I'm giving them a D. Okay. Interesting sieve, interesting sieve, but there's just too many things that if they don't get the religion, they're junk. If you don't have an extra continent. They're junk. Uh, too many ways that they can be basically be a vanilla blank sieve. Okay, so that leaves me with the Congo. There's honestly not much to say about it because they have a very clear line of what they're good at. 
and that is culture and food growth. Uh, they're good at culture because they they want to they want to get artifacts. They want to get sculptures, uh, specifically sculptures though, not like landscapes, religious art, uh, portraits, anything like that. So that limits their usefulness. Is that they only get a benefit from sculptures. But if you can get artifacts, that's great too. However, everybody has access to those artifacts and uh, eventually you run out on a map and that, that's all you can get. That's a good ability though. If you get an artifact or a sculpture, you get plus two food, plus two production, plus four gold. But that wasn't really where they, they shined. When they earn 50% great writer, great artists, great musicians, and great merchants, combining that with the Oracle, which is what I did that game, that's plus 100% uh, great people points to all of those great people. And that was in my major city, it was in my capital. So that capital city was producing an incredible amount of great people points, which is what drove my civilization crazy. Mm -hmm. I had a great general in every city. I had great merchants that were coming every so often. I I didn't get a lot of those. I got two great engineers, which is two more than I usually get. Uh, I had a ton (laughs) of great scientists. And I, the amount of great writers that I got was insane and you know what did everyone else notice how we didn't get any yeah Hmm. where'd they all go where'd they they all go i don't know (laughs) copper cutter wasn't buying them no he wasn't he that was really frustrating i did not get any great people that game i think i got one yeah i think a lot of people only got one i only needed one so that was (laughs) a great profit right you only need a great profit (laughs) yeah that's one i didn't get so you're you're welcome I let that one go for you. No, <laughs> nice little, nice little trade-off there. Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah, no you problem. can't found religion, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Congo not being able to find a religion is such a weird. Like, I, I get it. Um, it's so weird though, and you know the the thing that kind of replaces it is oh when you build a there's special infrastructure the Mbanza or when you build a theater square, you get an apostle for your wherever the majority religion is in that city. That's cool. The only thing I really use those apostles for is I. one of them is an upgrade for a medic. I'm like, great, now I have a medic. Uh, you know, awesome. Um, those are really what I was counting for. I was just counting for medics or martyr and then have them just go die and me get a relic. I didn't get a single martyr, which was terrible, but I got one medic and then I got like a, a barbarian adjacent capture. Uh, and then the other ones were just completely useless to me. And they honestly oh, that's didn't a do great anything. one. Which one? The barbarian capture can be fantastic. Yeah, that can be a lot of fun. On, on that map, like, we killed the barbarian. Yeah, they were already dead. They were already dead. So it was like, he's not going to do anything. And he, he didn't do anything. But the Ngao Mbaba, it's okay. Uh, it's a swordman. Swordman has this very finite time period. Because uh, mus- if people have good science or the game, they get musketmen so quickly. Uh, especially if they beeline it or something like that. The fact that they're better in forests or rainforests, it makes their defensive really good because they're more na- natural to spawn in a jungle or they're more natural to spawn in rain uh, in, in woods. Um, so they're they're good defensive units, and I'll kind of leave them at that. They're o- they, they're okay. They're, they're barbarian good scouts, slayers. Though. Yeah, barbarian slayers. They're good scouts though because they can see through trees, and so that's kind of why I think they're good defensive units. Is that you can just see units that they can't see you back, and so you know what's going to happen. The Mbanza, the unique neighborhood the best part about it is that you get it way earlier mm-hmm. than everybody else gets it that's so you why have, you had big cities oh that's why oh. yeah that's why you can get such big cities it's at guilds 
It's absurd. Yeah, which is in the and mid- it, doesn't it also era. add plus two to the appeal? So no. that makes it even more population. No, no, no. no. So oh, it okay. always gives plus five population or housing, no matter what. No matter what the appeal is, it always gives plus five. The limitation is that you need to build it in woods or you need to build it in rainforests. However, the the little bonus that it gives you also is that it gives plus two food. And let me actually read this. Plus two food and plus four gold. So Ugh. instead of a re- regular neighborhood of just giving you plus variable amount of housing. That's this fa- and you, you get it in like medieval yeah. times. Yeah, I get it in medieval which is that that is easily the best part of the civilization other than the great people points because let's be honest i had a lot of great people you snowballed you snowballed with the great people and i think the more detrimental thing is because we weren't getting them we that was a a a large chunk of civ score we couldn't get we just couldn't gain access to uh because it wasn't equally distributed it was all you and once you get them as far as i know we can't steal that from you no Right? right, we can't steal great people from you. It's not Civ Revolution. Mm-hmm. No, and um, yeah, once I built Oracle, I knew the game was over. I'm like, this game's done. I, I'm gonna have so many great people. I'm just gonna build one of every single district to try to get as many great people as I can. I didn't get any great admirals, so whoever got a great admiral, good for you. Clap. Yes. Quiet all around. <laughs> yeah. Vindication. <laughs> one. Oh, so I guess I got two great people. I got one great prophet. Oh, I, one I great- got I got a couple like great scientists. I, I think Moy, though, he's shown us uh, a few games, the critical importance of a gigantic population in a city. Um, so your, your, your specialists end up generating so much stuff, um, you know, and uh, and you had a few big cities. It wasn't that you had like one big city. You had a couple big Every cities. city was above like 10. They, they're at like 12, 13, 14, 15. Yeah, they were they were they were big. Um but yeah, like like if this this sim feels good, it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun because it's so unique, and you know you don't even have to focus on religion. So you're just like you just completely ignore that part of the game, which is really nice, especially for me because I hate religion, um, not as much as Drek, but I, I do hate religion. And I would, but when then 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 when I see the, the the tier list, you know they depend on jungle or or woods. There's a lot of trees, so like that's not a crazy issue. You know what I mean? Like it's at least it's both. Yeah. Like with Brazil, it was specifically one. Yeah, and and you know you know yeah, there's enough trees in the game. I think where you're gonna spawn buy some trees. You know, like 100, percent you're gonna build one or two in Babas. Um, so that's not an issue. I would so I would take that uh, not requirement, but take that condition um, like like negative condition away from them where they depend on the on the land because it, there's so many of them. Um, so I'm gonna take that away. Their unique units, eh? Their unique infrastructure is incredible. Their civility is incredible. Their leader ability, they don't find, they don't get a religion. Um, so all that said, I would rank these guys. I believe uh, maybe you disagree with me, but I'm gonna rank them at a B tier. They sound like honestly, not having to even worry about faith. That means that you're not going to go after something that you might not get. Exactly. And I think that's the most frustrating thing with Civ, especially if you're playing the computer. You know, the computer is so good at cheating to get a, uh, to get a uh, religion. That's right, not a Civ, a religion. So if you don't need to worry about it and you're encouraging others to fight over you, to send, re- yeah, come on, guys, br- bring it in. Uh, and I think you also had, you know, they're a defensive Civ. They're not, they don't need to go on, go attacking. Come to me. Come yeah. to me. My forests that are everywhere are going to slow you down even more. Okay. Cause I'm not tearing them down. So that's going to, my slows, my forests and my, 
um, and my uh, jungles are everywhere. I'm not chopping them down, so that's going to slow you down invading me. My cities are very, very large, so they're able to... They're amazing producers. City, city strength um, is crazy, too, the more population you have, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you, you're going to have most of the districts. Lots of... A big city... A big city population means lots of districts, right? Uh, and I think this, like they're a defensive civ in, the way, in a way that Georgia is not a defensive civ. Because having fancy city walls is not the same. Yeah. Okay, as a as yeah, come on, come to me, come to me. I'm here. When I declared war on Moy, I had a strength military strength of like 900, and the other civ that declared war on him had a military strength of 900. He had like a 300. He didn't need it though. He no. didn't need it. He didn't need it. He had. I'm guessing at least Renaissance walls might have been medieval, but I'm guessing he had Renaissance walls. Uh, at least the one main city, Turd Mountain, I think had had really good walls. Yeah. Um, but if you had the engineers, you might have been building. Renaissance walls for free or medieval walls for free with that for and and um, so that meant I had no chance of bringing down your walls uh, and all you had to do just pot shot unit dead next round pot shot unit dead you're moving very very slowly your territory was vast between where there was a city and my border there was probably like six empty squares of like where you didn't have a city or anything but it was still your territory which was really annoying. <laughs> so it, it <laughs> made culture, it that. Man, it was, so it was a culture. slow march forward. <laughs> um, and then you're just bombarding me from all directions. And that's where this was our little ace up the sleeve. We realized that all uh, a, um, a Z- Vector Cat had to do was convert me to his faith and he would have won. So, so what happened to Coppercutter's faith? What happened to that? Coppercutter was converted to his faith. Ah, he, man, no Coppercutter let him do it. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a little more complicated than that, but basically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was our, we were back and forth. We were like, all right. And it was cool. Like, our conflict early on brought us together. Like, I was very annoyed early on. I was like, what is, what are you, what is this guy doing? How dare you? And then we, you know, we had our skirmish and then you became the common enemy and like, yeah, all right. Like, all right, I get you. I get you. Sure, let's go after boy. Yeah. Um, but he couldn't help me militaristically. But it was a good idea. We didn't implement it soon enough, um, and and it only would have worked for like me and Vector Cat. I would not have done that for Nystagmus or Moy if if they asked me. I would have had too much pride. I'm like, no, fuck off. I'm not get your filth out of my land. I'm not letting you. <laughs> well, Nystagmus and Moy, I already had converted and. I, I had been working on copper cutters already, and he requested that I save him for last. So, oh. so part of my feint when I when I sent apostles into your territory so that I could then shoot them up into Arabia, because that's when I converted Nystagmus. That was to hide the fact that I had a bunch of uh, apostles and missionaries that were just going to go camp out in Scythia. All I had to do was pop your cities and then convert Scythia right after that to honor my agreement with copper cutters that I would save him for last. And then that was going to be it. So it, was, so it was basically what Zozo said, but just a little more complicated. All right. So let's take a, a, a break and then we're going to really quickly um, go into our third section. We're going to ask uh, Vector Cat a bunch of questions about the Civ 6 Challenge League, as well as some personal questions of about you in civilization as well. So don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Civ Show podcast. We suck so you don't 
have to. You're welcome. Uh, like I said, before we do have our special guest, Vector Cat here, uh, we are very, very lucky to have him. Uh, but let's talk about what you do specifically and what the Civ 6 Challenge League is. So let's give us a bit of an insight on, on what it is. Yeah, it started as the monthly challenge game for a old podcast uh, called Civcast that was hosted by the Kyle Dempster Radio Network. The hosts were Kyle, Dan, and Valter. And there was a another host early on in the show, and I forget his name and apologize, but uh, they, they took a break at one point. And when they took their break, uh, I... I, I, you know, they had this monthly challenge game as part of the podcast, right? So they would talk about a sieve and then all of the people listening would play a game as that sieve and then post results on Reddit. The podcast went on hiatus and I reached out to other members of the community and I said, the podcast is on break, but maybe we don't have to be, maybe, and uh and we weren't so we were uh we kept going and then the podcast came back when it did i kept running the challenge league until the end of the podcast and then you know i got busy the podcast died uh a couple of the hosts moved on to other things um you know things happen. You do one show, you stop, you do another show, it happens. Um, and I was, I was kind of off of the game for a while myself, but, uh, I have nothing to do right now. (laughs) 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 Right. Why ever for? Uh, Yeah. Why ever for what could have possibly caused that? And so I got in touch with some of the regular players from the old group. And we, you know, we go back two or three years. Copper cutters is one of them. And I said, Hey, uh, reboot. And everybody said, yes. So, so here we are now. I thought that, um, I thought that the best thing to do was to start a new group and start fresh. And, um, for one thing, I wanted to change, uh, several parts of the system. And I also didn't want to be capitalizing on the Civcast brand. I wanted to have my own. Right. Um, and also because like, I haven't, I haven't spoken with Kyle in a bit. So like, I didn't want to just assume the Civcast mantle. I wanted to have a similar idea but something different and also something different from what Civ Fanatics is doing. Right. Um, so, so what we do now is, uh, it's two competitive games a month that you play on your own time in single player. It's a single player challenge that I devise and post, uh, on Reddit. And then after you complete it, you post your results and we discuss the games Uh, you can post some screenshots if you want, and we can all compare strategies. And the, the idea is that while we're all talking about these games and these shared experiences, everybody's game gets better. And we have a small dedicated group of people that all enjoy the game. And I'm meeting new people, uh, like you three, And, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a way for me to, um, I can't work right now and the world's really nasty and Civ 6 isn't. And this is a way for me to 
feel like I'm being productive and put some positive energy into something that I enjoy. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, so far it's going great. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying getting to know new players and reconnecting with people that I haven't spoken with in, you know, a year and a half, two years. So, so yeah, it's a, um, it's a fun thing. It's, it's single player, uh, but it's comparing your results to other people, a little playful competition, but the whole point is just to learn from the other people. There's not really a competitive edge, uh, like the Civ show Twitter. It's a little tamer, right? <laughs> so yeah, so that's, that's, that's the Civ six challenge league. And there's also a companion podcast, which you can find on the internet, uh, where I discuss the game, uh, that we're doing, uh, every two weeks, but also the game of Civ six on the whole. So part of what you're going to hear is challenge league specific content. And part of what you're going to hear is discussions of the game generally, right? So trying to be trying to tailor to discussing the community and its needs, but also if someone stumbles upon the show, just because they're, they Google Civ six podcast, I'm still going to have something to offer them as well, right? That's kind of the, that's the goal. Two comments yeah. for you. Two comments for you. One, your history is very fascinating, and it sounds very similar to uh, mine and Moy's yeah, history. Yeah, I told and them the, about and that the, earlier. Yeah, and the evolution. Yeah, we talked the, about that this afternoon. Yeah, uh, like almost, almost parallel. Where it, you know we were on this other show, there were things that we wanted to do differently, and that came to an end, and then we broke away and did something completely on our own and the way that we envisioned it and, and very, very similar. Uh, and yeah, secondly, I, I, I just stumbled in. We, on yeah, well, I, I needed, I needed, um. I needed, I, I Moy said, Zoe, we need a doctor. And I was like, I will find you a doctor. Yeah. And Dr. Disrespect just didn't cut it. So what, what I did is I went back. You're wrong yes. for that. I went back in time. I, uh, made sure I made sure that Nystagnus would be my cousin and uh, and th that's an adventure in itself. And here we are today. We got our, our third guest. Uh, the other comment I'll make is uh, Moy and my relationship on Twitter is 100% uh, authentic. We hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't stand you. Why am I here with you? I can't it's, even look at you. Yeah. It, well, you know as well as I do that it's a court order. So, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? Not supposed to talk about that. Well, you know, it. It may be bad for uh, for online culture, but it's good for your brand. So keep it up as long as y'all can stand it, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Me and myself and Moy have very thick skins for one another, but we are also very good at pushing the other's buttons. Uh, Moy knows how to get under my skin, and I think I've gotten pretty good at getting under oh, his yeah, I have no idea. my smack no talk idea. game has gotten better as well. I think my smack it's talk not, game... Oh, way better. Yours way is, better. It's actually nasty, It's man. a refreshing... <laughs> It's a refreshing, like, I, I guarantee you, Moy feels the same way I do when you two get into it, just as if, if me and Nystagnus got into it. Moy, just sit back and, and let the show it. unfold. Loving it. No, yeah. I, I do something worse, right? I usually sit back and I get a stick, and then I start poking the hornet's nest a little bit and be like, Zoe, are you going to let Moy talk to you that way? Moy, man, Zoe's been, like, saying stuff. Um, he's gonna take your cities, man. You got you got to do something about that. 
Um, and maybe I will one day ride that strategy to victory. <laughs> maybe, hey, maybe, maybe. I mean, you two, you two went to war, and I win. I won. So maybe me and me and raising Zozo will go to war, and you'll win. You never know. You never know. I don't know. The last time you went to war with each other, and you told us units to go sacrifice themselves. Um, I didn't oh win that God. game either. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that, yeah. Well, we'll 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 see in future ones though how much we can cripple each other because I think I feel like you know early war might be. Uh, very crippling between us. Um, I want to kind of ask, because I think maybe you can provide some, maybe we could all provide insight on this, um, multiplayer versus single player. So it's interesting that the Civ show provides that multiplayer aspect of like, you know, this is the same three people playing multiplayer, but we understand each other's playset and we kind of like drive this multiplayer session uh, week after week. There, Whereas the, the Civ 6 Challenge League, Challenge League is strictly a single player thing so i kind of want to ask what the how 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 did you feel uh, i'll i'll put this to you first vector cat what was the biggest difference to you with your single player civilization versus the multiplayer civilization sure so like i uh brought up earlier i mean i had such lag that i had to play the whole game on strategic view right? Because I was hosting y'all. Yeah. So playing an entire game of Civ on strategic view where it's kind of harder to tell what's going on sometimes when you don't play in that game mode made it a little bit dif- uh, difficult. Additionally, the um, playing against the three of you wasn't as detrimental to my game as playing on online speed was. Because... Because I know what a good military strength at turn uh, 30 is on standard speed. I know what open borders should cost on standard speed. I know what things cost on standard speed. So playing on online speed, I think in my entire life I've played... I've been online for nine hours and six of them were with the three of you. <laughs> right? So so I would have enough gold to purchase a thing and would not know that I had enough gold to do that because I'm thinking that a scout cost 120 gold, a slinger cost 140 gold, a warrior cost 160 gold. None of that is true on online speed. So I was already on the back foot a little bit and it took me it took me until I had settled like my third city to understand really what online speed felt like. That being said, the game would have gone differently for me if Scythia had been where Spain was and Spain had been where Scythia was. And, and really, that, that's really not about Copper or Zozo. That's just about like the sieve that I got placed next to. Um, I knew that um, it, it, was just, it was just timing errors that were made because uh, a, a lot of the way I play the game is based on uh, setting up timing spikes and... I have no understanding of how online timing works. And so, yeah, it was, it was really strategically, 
it was a lot of fun playing real people, especially because we isolated myself and Copper, right? Like Copper Cutters and I were not in the group voice chat. And because Copper Cutters is also coming from the CivCast, Civ6 Challenge League group, we we had this accidental RNG created like y'all can talk but we can't thing and so i did actually get to behave like the ai in a way we were playing multiplayer but in a way i was trying not to play like a player there was someone that said something about like just going to treat the guests like super smart ai and i tried to behave that way um so that you know we could have a good show and I I I enjoyed doing that. I I don't know how much I enjoy Civ Six multiplayer, but I think I've caught the bug. I think I want to do oh. more. <laughs> I really like. I think I I think I uh, I don't know if I enjoy it yet, but I'm determined to find out if I do or not. Okay. Uh, what about what about you guys? What about um. Uh, Zoe and Nystagmus, what do you guys feel about single player versus multiplayer? I like the online speed versus standard speed. I think that was a that was very good insight. Um, for me, uh, the main difference is like just how the other players are behaving, right? Like AIs are annoying, right? Like they they'll just like I'll be doing some, my own thing, and I just barely met, say, you know, another Civ, and then they'll suddenly just denounce you because you're not meeting their agenda that you don't. Like, you know about it ahead of time because you can read, like, the like the notes and stuff like that. But, like, as, like, a civilization that's just meeting somebody, right, from that perspective, it seems just, like, arbitrary that they're just randomly denouncing you. Um, you didn't do anything to hurt them. You didn't, like, attack one of their friends. You're just kind of, like, doing your own thing. And all of a sudden, they're just, like, you're the most terrible person on the entire planet. You're horrible, <laughs> and I hate you. And then, and, then, um, and then your relationship deteriorates. And then um, I do find also... In a lot of the cases, um, randomly, the um, computers will all just gang up and declare war on you. Like, they'll all do it, like, sequentially, right? So, like, uh, one will declare war on you, and then two or three of them will declare war on you after that, too. That's get, That gets kind of, especially on the harder difficulties, it gets kind of a grind. It feels like a grinding, right? Whereas um, multiplayer has the added, uh, again, the other benefit we have, though, is that we do it on voice chat, too. So, we get to, like taunt each other and say kind of like misdirect people and um we have you know we still have me on a clip saying i lied about something and that you know um and so there's that added dimension to the game where it feels like you can actually manipulate the players into doing things whereas you can't really manipulate like the one thing you can make the computer do is you can make it do stupid things when you're at war with them like they'll just like move your their units continually into you and die but you can't make them like say really declare war on someone else right it's hard to do that mm -hmm. yeah or sometimes they'll just be so gung-ho like you can give them like everything like hey i need this one little piece of iron how about if i give you all of my cities and they won't do it still right like um, <laughs> it's some of those things that are like really weird when it comes to playing the computers yeah and it's you know you can do that like especially in multiplayer when you're chatting like i could you know i really needed someone to declare war on me and I was able to poke Zozo enough to where I got him to do that. And that drew enough attention to where I was able to hide 
all of the people that I was parking in Scythia, you know, because like there's, there's a way to game it, but yeah, it is very different than, than playing against the computer. You know, it is a very different way to play. What I liked about that game was uh, it felt like in a way I was playing the computer, but a computer that finally responded to my text messages, (laughs) um, which was good. And eventually we had peace in our time. We had peace in our time. time. Um, I think the the (laughs) biggest difference, though, I think the biggest difference is cunning. Uh, Human player is cunning. They're going to do things that you're not going to anticipate um they're they're gonna surprise you they're gonna they're gonna come at you sideways um and uh and and it forces you to improve your game in a way that is good in civ because predictability is the enemy of civ you don't want predictability and i find sometimes with the computer because of that predictability that's why like deity can be easy for some people because they're they know how to read the sieve, they know how to you know they know the exact steps that you have to take, and and that's not always true in multiplayer. Now, that might not be true though in extreme multiplayer. I'm sure in CPL there are standard moves that are become so standard that it might as well be AI. That it's like that you just have to do these things. Uh, but then all things considered, all things being equal, once you get good at it, the cunning is what's going to yeah, win you the and- game, right? Yeah. That is true in like a lot of real time, like are in 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 strategy games. Like uh, you know, my big one I always used to play. I always bring it up because I still love it. But StarCraft um, <laughs> mm-hmm. is like there are like specific builds, right? Like you know, the one 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 build for Terran. You have to like get yeah, out your yeah. barracks by a specific minute um, and, and stuff like that. So that there is a kind of um, uh, kind of like an aspect of that to that too. Yeah, it's true. That's yeah, definitely true in Civ. Yeah, even the agendas, like like Kay said, you can just kind of predict how the how the computer is going to act. You know, you know that uh, Teddy Roosevelt's in your game. He likes when you settle on his continent, right? You can just settle on his continent. He's your friend. Or if you're playing Egypt, you know Egypt likes you when you have a big military like they do. So when you build a military, they're your friend. Uh, they're just super predictable. And like with multiplayer, you can't you can't like no two games are alike even though people have similar play styles you know it's, it's so different it's so Although, so so different sometimes the computers don't make sense like i played one where you know the romans they like it if you like expand and stuff right so i expanded like a bunch of times had more cities than the romans and they still denounced me saying like hey you don't expand enough and i'm like well I'm expanding better than you man like <laughs> i don't know why you're getting all upset with me no uh, that's so, see that's uh, that's what makes their agenda challenging uh, the the Roman agenda is that Trajan wants you to have more cities than every other Civ in the game except for himself. That's that's the sweet spot. The one thing I'll say about how VectorCat felt like an AI was his ridiculous spamming of missionaries and uh, prof- uh, um, uh, apostles. Because uh, that's one thing I hate about computers is obviously computer cheats. It's how they win. Um, but the the capacity that they have to build missionaries and and they don't they're they're like a honey badger they don't give a shit they don't care what you say <laughs> they're gonna they're they're coming in they're converting all your cities you 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 message them oh here I'll give you a diplomatic favor no this is this is for the best I hate that or or can I have like the, the biggest hate for them can I have some iron one iron I'll give you my entire civilization for one iron nope not doing it not a good deal that's dumb. Yeah, that's well, really easy. dumb. The other thing too is sometimes when computers beat me at religious victory, they'll collude with each other. Meaning, 
Um, like one city, one civilization will just randomly convert all the other computers and they do absolutely nothing to stop it. Um, and then they just show up on my borders with like 25 apostles and I'm like, okay, well this game's over. <laughs> so, like, Stupid conspiring <laughs> computer. It's totally like the mainframe in, uh, what's, what's that reboot? reboot? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. That's what's going on in our computers, everybody. Okay. User wins. Bullshit. Hey, the user sucked in that in that show. Like the user never did anything, right? <laughs> hey, it won. It won once. Deleted the whole. Against, like, against how the does kid. that even supposed against to work? Enzo. But when the user when the user wins, it annihilates a section of the mainframe. <laughs> like no wonder the AI's coming for us. Jeez. So I want to quickly uh, ask Vector Cat, just very I guess briefly, uh, who's your favorite civilization? Arabia. Really? <laughs> yeah, and. And that changes week by week. It's it's always a, either Arabia or Poland. Wow! And every time every time someone asks me that, I I have one answer or the other. It is either Arabia or Poland. Poland was my favorite Civ in Civ Five, and when they were introduced in Civ Six, they were my favorite. And it just it bounces back and forth between either Arabia or Poland. And literally, I have a different answer. Every time I gave you two answers on my show this afternoon. So I got to get two answers on your show tonight. All right. That's, that, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, it's, there's, there's something about both of them. They're, they're just, they're, they're a great mix between just charming, well-designed and powerful enough for a versatile play style. Um, so yeah, you, you asked me tomorrow, my first response might be Poland. You ask me the next day, it's probably going to be Arabia. <laughs> All right. That's interesting. Uh, let's uh, wrap this up with uh, the reveal of what our next week is going to be. Uh, it is going to be the last week for oh season God. one of the Civ show. We're going to take a week break after that. And then we'll be returning with season two. Uh, new and improved season two. We're going to have a bunch of new ideas that we're going to throw out at you. And it's going to be a great season. I think it's been a very fantastic first season. And we'll probably talk about it a little bit more about it and reminisce about it more next week. But first, let's get into the reveal. And I will go first. And I, we're, this week, we're calling this theme the favoritism civilization. It's going to be our absolute favorite civilization. So that was a good transition. Vector Cat, I appreciate that, buddy. Um, so I will be playing my all-time favorite civilization, and, and that is the Aztecs. The Aztecs having the Eagle Warriors is super, super strong. I'm really looking forward to finally using the Aztecs to their absolute full potential in the multiplayer session. Nystagmus, why don't you go next? I'm just going to point out you, you spelled favoritism wrong, but cool. I, well, <laughs> you know what? I spelt it like I felt like it, so... So I am going to try to ride the uh, fantastic production output of the German Empire to victory next week for my very first victory. Maybe I can close out season one with a victory. So I'm going to be Frederick the, um, the Great uh, for the Germans. Very good. I guess that's me. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> uh, I uh, My favorite civilization is Canada. And it, it, it's not just that I'm Canadian. Uh, I find, I, I think that there is civ that uh, even though a lot of their stuff is late game, they have early game stuff that that brings brings them to that point. 
Uh, I love that you can't declare war on them with sneak attack. So they always, you have to denounce them. So they always know what, that it's coming. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to experimenting with the new religion and pantheon stuff, uh, with Canada, uh, especially now that there is literally one that gives you plus diplomatic favor per turn. And I think since the last time I used Canada, I've come to really respect how critical uh, diplomatic favor is in the game and how, how it can really uh, be a thorn in an enemy side, you know, to suddenly not be able to culture bomb or, or do whatever. Um, so, yeah, I will be uh, Wilfred Laurier and the Canadian, the Dominion of Canada, which is perfect on this Canada Day. It absolutely is. Uh, Vector Cat, I want to uh, thank you again for being our first guest on the Civ Show podcast and also being part of the first guests on the Civ Show. It's been an absolute pleasure, Vector Cat. Thank you very much for being on the show, man. You want to plug anything? Uh, give it all your shout outs, shout out to anybody, your social medias, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I want to thank Copper Cutters for also playing along with us on Sunday. Um, you can find me on the internet. I exist. Uh, go to Reddit, um, type in Civ 6 Challenge League, all one word, with the number six instead of letters. Um, and we're there. We're on Spotify as a podcast. Uh, I interviewed Moy today. That episode's going to drop on Monday. That'll be episode four. We'll have episode three drop on Thursday or Friday. Uh, talking about the last uh, the last episode. Uh, yeah, if you use Google, you can find us. Uh, thanks for watching. Pleasure meeting you, Vector Cat. Yeah, and you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, what else did I say? Instagram at the Civ Show. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify as well. If you're not already there, uh, listening to this podcast. Uh, but if you're there listening to this podcast, then you can find us on Twitch uh, at the Civ Show. So whatever, Dis you, wherever you Discord's where all the best conversations are, though. Discord is where you really want to go for the daily intimate chats. Very intimate. Like, yeah, the the Civ Show Discord is actually a lot of fun. Just you know, like from from an objective, just community member, uh, it's a good chat. It really is. There you go. Feedback straight from the community, folks. It's only more reason why you should join the Civ Show Discord. Thank you, Vector Cat, again. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And we will see uh, everybody, hopefully on Sunday, for the next episode of the Civ Show. See you then. Bye, everyone.